Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. introduction to this first episode of the Earth Sea Love podcast. Oh my gosh, talk about teething problems. If my voice hasn't been coming out in an echo, then I just failed to press record. So hopefully this time my voice is coming out loud and clear. I am Sheree Mack and I am your host for the Earth Sea Love Podcast and welcome, welcome to the first episode and I am coming to you today nestling a hot cup of oat milk vanilla latte. I am buried under a mountain of blankets wearing a coat a woolly hat and a woolly scarf and yeah it's July and we might be having that spot of rain but the temperatures are pretty reasonable so why so many blankets why am I trying to get warm because I've just come out of the North Sea yep that's what I do for my nature fix I get into the sea I wild swim, rain or shine, any time of day, any time of weather, because it makes me feel alive. This is my way of communing, communicating with nature, connecting with nature and ultimately connecting with myself. And this is my medicine. And I know it's my medicine because if I miss days or weeks and my mood starts to slide low I have to check myself and think what is the matter with me what is missing and then I'm reminded I haven't been in the sea get back in the sea Cherie get thee to the sea and once I do that the whole world my whole outlook changes and everything looks brighter better just so much more manageable so so excuse me if there's any teeth chattering um because even though it's it's the summer months the sea is still cold there's that shock to your system just as you're getting in it's like whoa am i actually doing this yes you are in you go and yeah so why am I telling you this? Because this is the whole premise of this podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is here to explore women of colour's relationship with nature. How we connect with nature. And it's been such a pleasure and an honour to talk to so many different women of colour about their relationship and as just as they're a long line as of diverse of diversity within that group of women of colour there are a diverse and different and multicultural multicoloured narratives that are shared within this podcast um, because we're all coming at it from an individual lived experience point of view but I suppose where we come together is within that connection with nature that way that it feeds our souls and to 
have this opportunity to talk about it, to connect with each other about it and hopefully connect with you about it is, um, is a way for us to change the narrative, to change the ideas that people have or the attitudes that people have about who has a right to enjoy the natural world, who has the right to access it. And we believe that everybody does. But because of a number of different barriers, attitudes, issues, which we will be exploring throughout this podcast, for some reason, people like us, black, Asian and ethnic minorities, are missing within the natural world. So, where did this podcast come out of? Well, first of all, we have to thank the National Lottery Heritage Fund for the funding to make this podcast happen. There's a group called Identity on Time, which secured funding from um, the National Heritage Lottery Fund. Sorry, the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Yeah, that's it. Um, To um, facilitate a project, a project which was called Wayfinding diversity, equity and inclusion in the great outdoors. And this project started in 2019. And while we're in lockdown, because of the coronavirus, um, it's on hiatus for a while. Um, But the project Wayfinding was, was offering up opportunities for people from the global majority within the Northeast to experience nature in a safe, comfortable and collective way. So there was a series of events. We might go out to the Northumberland National Park, walk along Hadrian's Wall. Um, We might go out to... Durham Wildlife Trust, their nature reserve, and study trees and butterflies and bird watch. We might go wild, wild food foraging down there in Hare Hope Quarry. And all the time, we might be doing things, we might not be doing things, but we're experiencing developing that closer relationship with the natural world in a safe way in a group with people that look like us, that we can identify with. And there's something to be had to be able to enjoy that opportunity. Um, So part of that project, the Wayfinding Project, was also to collect participant voices. And we were just about to start and do that when we went into lockdown. Um, we were gearing up for our spring and summer events and opportunities. We were booking the buses. We were setting dates in diaries. And it's not happening now. So, as a way of keeping us connected to what we started. To keep those fires burning in our bellies. Which have been fueled by learning more about ourselves through fostering this relationship with a tree or a beach to keep it fresh this podcast is our way of connecting still not with not just with the natural world outside but with also with ourselves and each other so you will hear some conversations from the participants within the project but we've also widened it out this podcast has morphed into something bigger and brighter as we've reached out to our women of color friends around the world who have generously given their time their stories and voices to this podcast to share their experiences and relationship with nature And um, just as I've said, just as there's diversity within the women of colour group, there will be a diversity of stories and narratives to tell here. Um, So yeah, so that's the premise of this podcast. Um, 
how daunting it is to begin and start a podcast. Um, I've just been thinking, maybe I should do one of those how-to-do things on starting up a podcast, let you know the -the behind-the-scenes process of it all, because it is time-consuming and it is difficult and mistakes are made, but um, hopefully... We're over the worst of it and things. It's just going to be practice. It's just going to be practice. So, you'll notice that we've dropped a number of episodes for the launch. Yay! This is the launch. <laughs> um, and that's because we didn't want you to complain. We didn't just want you to listen to one and then have nothing else to listen to after that for months. No. We're giving you this goodness all together so you can keep on trucking. You can keep on listening. So, episode one, Anita one. And I've known Anita for a number of years with um, circulating in in the same cultural heritage circles. Um, But through this interview, this conversation really, we get to know each other much, much better and deeper. And it's all around our connection with nature. And listening back to it as I edit it, it is a case of it's reminded me that, yeah, slowing down and getting into my body, living from my body, that's something that nature reminds me to do. It's a remembering, really. It's a coming back to the self. And I think the conversation that I have with Anita reminds me that again and again. And it's such a beautiful conversation, how we how we connect on so many similar levels about having having an identity in the northeast and growing up being probably the only the only person of ethnic minority within a school or within a college or in a university and, and knowing and feeling about being an outsider and how we try our best to fit in or be accepted by morphing or changing ourselves um so that's a really interesting conversation that i have with anita and we talk about work and we talk about where she's situated and then how you know her relationship with nature has developed over the last few years with having an allotment and you'll probably hear i can gush about the allotment because i'm jealous I am definitely jealous because to have an allotment, to have a patch of grass or land where you can grow your own produce is like gold dust here. You have to put your name on a long waiting list with the council and you have to wait for years probably. So when you get an allotment, when you get that piece of land, you hold on to it. So we talk about um, how Anita propagates it. using some lingo there <laughs> um sowing the seeds on a windowsill etc etc and then putting it in the ground and then waiting all that time nurturing it you know um petting them giving them some love until they're ready to be pulled out and offered up to parents and loved ones of look this is what i've created um and a note i don't know if it's a disclaimer or just a note to put out there this was recorded during lockdown during um um the the pandemic but then also it was also recorded during the time of black lives matter protests and uprising um and it's always going to be relevant that discussion um because things need to change on a systemic level um and 
heartens me to think that there are people around the world, black and white, who are coming together to protest, to have their voices heard, to end police brutality against black bodies, um, to end the killings and the shootings. Um, so yeah, we do discuss that um, and I think everyone should be discussing it at this moment and if there's a silence around it, then that says something as well. Um, so yeah, um, enough of my voice, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing about making a podcast. You can get sick of hearing your own voice. Um, but enough. Let's get into this first episode. I hope you enjoy it. And welcome to the first episode of the Sea Love podcast. And if you want to find out more about the podcast and up and coming episodes, check out our website, which is earthsealove.com. Okay. Let's get into this conversation. Thanks for being here. I've lived here a long time. So I and I live in a flat. So I don't have a garden and that's been that's been really horrible. So where you do know, you say, I've... sorry, it broke up. Where do you live? Long I don't Benton. want Oh, Long Benton. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's then. like a, a newish estate just by the metro station. Okay. But I live in a flat. Yes, we so... do too. Yeah. Do you so, too? Yeah, yeah, we do too. We downscaled once Nene went off and we just have a concrete yard. Oh, but you've got a yard. Yeah, but. Gross plants and stuff. Well, no. not really. I mean, the weeds are growing and I love my weeds. I do see my weeds as, you know, they, they, are. they deserve to live just as much as anyone else. So I don't get rid of them. But our neighbours have dogs. Yeah, yes. That they're allowed to do things in the yard. Yeah. Oh, yes, that does happen. Oh, and it's nasty oh. smell. Mm-mm. It smells. Uh, 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 uh. So I have to... Up? Oh, eventually. <laughs> so I have to do a lot of bleaching sort of thing. And I just thought, you know, I'm a bit enthusiastic with the bleach and I wouldn't want to be putting oh, any no. of that on any plants. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'd be killing them and doing good you know, sort of thing. So, uh, so yeah, because I'd love to have some raised beds, that sort of thing. But yeah, they don't me... poo in your yard, do they? Sorry? They poo in your yard? Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're on here. Um, what it is, it's it's a big yard which has been separated by a fence, and where mm. near the back where the the gates open, so you can take your bins out, etc. And it's on a bit of a yeah. s- slope. So mm-hmm. if their dogs are peeing and doing those things, oh, yeah, and then when oh, they do, down. yeah, 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 oh. and then. And then when they might do the cleaning with a hose, well, it comes through ours oh. to get out, doesn't it? Oh, right. Oh. Yeah. So that was it. <laughs> oh, you should swap yards. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's outside your window? Is it just other houses? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not very nice. But at the moment, this windowsill is filled with, I don't know if you can see. Can you see all the little... Oh, it I'm looks trying to like... Seedling. Yeah, it looks like you've got a mini um, greenhouse. greenhouse thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Lights. So I've got proper grow lights, so they're on all the time because it doesn't get enough light. Ah. So this is the only way I can grow stuff on my allotment because I don't have a greenhouse. Ah, and that was glow lights, did you say? Grow. Grow. <laughs> and then not clubbing I, I was just gonna say that's what I do in front of my plants. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like that. Okay. So right first, I mean like this is going on. This has all been recorded. Sorry. <laughs> like let's just let's just step back a bit before we get into your plants, okay? So you've been in lockdown. Mm. I'm assuming you're still in lockdown. How's it affected you? How you been keeping care of yourself? Oh, it's, 
I would say I've definitely been up and down. Yeah. I think it's definitely, and I'm not someone who kind of, I would say I'm more of an introvert and I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm not drawn to big crowds of people. So I'm kind of good in that way. I'm quite, I like my solitude. Mm-hmm. I think I'm quite a solitary person as well. But it's still, it's just when it's not of your choosing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that, totally get that, that. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think <clears throat> I've been so jealous of people who've got gardens and just being able to just sit outside yeah. and listen to the birds and things. Yeah. And, and really at this moment in time I missed like the earlier periods of lockdown when it was really quiet I wish I treasured that a bit more do you know the streets with no cars and everything I I kind of miss I wish there was a bit more of that because everything's turned quite busy now yeah yeah and I think it was difficult to appreciate it then because it was some shock about Mm. the the what was normal beforehand is just like gone and mm. i did spend a lot of time just like i would say i was numb or even like in a zombie state like going around within the house obviously like is this happening what's happening mm-hmm. and to actually get to that point of appreciating the quiet the slower pace did take time to get used to that and then think, oh, right, okay. it's an awful thing to say, but I'm enjoying the the slower pace, the not here, there, everywhere, and produce, 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 go, 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 go. That was, that was, that was a beautiful thing. And now you're right, it has gotten more busy and noisy and dangerous. <laughs> I think it's dangerous. Well, yes, yeah, there's a lot. Well, there's people don't know who to listen to, mm. and they're just it's so confusing the messages. So, you do see lots of people congregating mm-hmm. with car use. You know, I, I just didn't, I remember kind of the first week, a couple of weeks when mm. it was so quiet, mm. but now it's all, all the cars are back to normal, and yeah, I think yeah. We, we did some good for the environment for, for a short period, <laughs> yeah. But they do say, isn't it, that you know, it, all that that work that we have done is gonna it's gonna be i don't know what you call it but where we were the level we're gonna go beyond that level now in terms of the damage that we are doing because there's that feeling that people have got to catch up you know so they're going they're going hell for leather and anything that they might have learned or take on board right during lockdown about the environment about that appreciation of nature seems to be like like forgotten it's like let's just get back to um I feel, I mm. do feel, and especially where, where, where we are, because we're at the coast, mm-hmm. and um, all the time that we were locked down, I was still getting into the sea, um, mm-hmm. and most of the time I didn't see anyone. Yeah, I would go early morning, and you know, in out no no issue about social distancing because there was no one there and mm-hmm. i've seen now it's it's almost like there's a traffic jam to get mm. into the sea to get into the sea and then that isn't talking about the people who are walking along or sitting there or and this has been early morning as well um and it has been a case of once the the restrictions about how many times that you are allowed out have been lifted there has been, especially with the, with the weather, there's been flocks of people coming mm. down to the beach. And I'm not, I, I don't believe in this idea that we own nature. We do not own nature. Mm-hmm. We are in connection with nature. We're in relationship with nature and we're all equal. But I do sometimes have a possessive feel towards Colour Codes Bay when I've seen loads of people there and they've just left their, their rubbish. Oh their spare socks or not socks or their shoes and i just think you know think about it you're you're coming to this area take your shit home with you i know, you know? um you've took you've brought it with you i, exactly, I can't see why it's any more harder that that's that's where i get mad okay so the question that i just asked is like has lockdown affected your work at all and what do you work as that was it yes 
Uh, I work as a heritage consultant, mm -hmm. so I kind of, I work with different kind of museums or heritage sites or local authorities to, mm -hmm. a lot to develop funding bids, but also carry out projects, mm -hmm. lots to do with audience development and community engagement and the like, but things that work has quietened down in terms of the briefs coming out, but also... But also, I think it's partly to do with me as well, mm. uh, uh, in terms of having a bit more time to kind of think and about whether I, whether I'd like to do something a little bit different. Uh -huh. I do tend to kind of like to do something new every couple or two, three years or so. Uh -huh. So I'm going to see. And also, I think the pandemic has brought about a little bit of fear in me about job security and mm. and kind of feeling that oh you know well maybe having a job and being employed is and being a bit more stable is is kind of it feels more comfortable yeah for me yeah so you're saying that you usually have a change every two to three years so have you been within this sector for uh, like the heritage sector yeah. or communities for a while but just for a long time I would say yeah. for quite a while um, since well, early 2000s um, but I've always I've changed jobs frequently mm -hmm. every three years or so mm -hmm. I think it's about wanting a new challenge and a new environment really and doing something a little bit different whether because it's a slightly different type of work or a different organisation mm. Um yeah, I, I do crave that kind of almost newness. <laughs> yeah, no, I take I totally take that on board. I mean, that was one of the reasons I got out of teaching because of the regimental timetable. Everybody knows where you are every time, every day, every mm. given, and and it was the structure that mm -hmm. I was wanting to rebel against. And you know, freelance does offer that that freedom, but it does offer that a lot of risk as well yes yes um because i'm assuming that you are freelance and that's why you're thinking about maybe having something more stable that yes definitely i've really enjoyed being self-employed and being independent and being able to make all those decisions and, and being able to work how i want to work mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. But yes, you have to balance that with that kind of a bit of instability as well. Mm, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, the pandemic. <laughs> who'd have thought we'd, we'd we'd be at kind of in the middle of something like this? But yeah, it it, it brings it. The fear sometimes takes over, I think, and the confidence, the confidence to kind of, can I see this through? You know, mm. you know, it, it's hit so hard on the cultural sector and with mm. funding so mm. yeah and everyone's in emergency mode at the moment in terms yeah. of organization so it's very difficult to see yeah what's going to happen really mm. in the next 12 months and beyond yeah i know i definitely hear mm. you there is there is that sense of battering down the hatches a little bit and seeing how things are ro riding out and yeah. not not actually there isn't that climate at the moment to take risks no no um, it's it's about survival really, it is I think. it is yeah. yeah totally um just picking up though on your accent are you in your castle like geordie born <laughs> and bred i mean like this moves into your family background yes. in a sense but talk to me i mean yeah yeah i am i am i was i was kind of born and brought up here but my parents are are from hong kong uh-huh. Uh -huh. Um, so I'm the first generation born in in the UK here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's 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 a funny one. I never I think I think I've really only started to put down roots here, it feels like when I came back from university. Okay. I went to to Liverpool. Ah right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you, like you, your like son. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I think while I was just growing up, kind of during my childhood here, I didn't really feel a strong connection. Like my parents worked in a takeaway; they used to work seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So we didn't 
I didn't feel connected to the place. We didn't really go places because mm. I didn't have time off <laughs> and so didn't have <laughs> summer holiday. You know, yeah. you, you didn't, yeah. So it was only when I came back from university that I started exploring the Northeast a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that strange? It's a strange one. No, it's not. It's not really because I'm I'm the same with you. The, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I was born in Bradford till I was 10 and then we came back to Newcastle, Newburn, because that's where my mum's family was because she's mixed race, but that's where they mm-hmm. were based. And all the time that I was there, you know, it's semi-rural, but I was always looking towards the city and <laughs> actually wanting to get out of there. So when I got that chance to go to London... Mm-hmm. I did. I did go to London and it was in London that I felt that I found my black self because mm-hmm. growing up within a predominantly white society, my culture was white culture. Yeah. So I, I had to actively try and find my roots, my heritage, my history through, through you know, reading and groups and other people at, at, at university. And mm-hmm. I stayed there to do my teacher training because that's where you know in a city loads of black kids and asian kids and that's who i wanted to teach mm-hmm. and it wasn't until i came back with babes in arms and um <laughs> is trying to create that family base here and that's what i called it for a while just my base because i didn't see it as home i didn't feel like mm-hmm. i belonged here and that was mm-hmm. because of growing up here and having so many so many racist incidents here and mm-hmm. not actually seeing people that looked like me here so um so it wasn't yeah. until i had kids and was was here because it was better to bring up my kids here that i started to explore the northeast mm-hmm. um and trying to find those those moments of feeling belonging or or just feeling that i knew the place better Mhm. Mhm. And it is only in the last few years that I've started to think of it as a place that I can belong or feel comfortable uh, and safe. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm living by the sea. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's really. Yeah, I think once I came back from university and and kind of started almost living yeah. here, I felt like I wasn't really living in the northeast before. It could have been anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um that I felt it was really important to stay here, to mm. kind of feel a bit more rooted. That's and it. for the Northeast to be part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I've really struggled with my identity, kind of being being Chinese, being of kind of children of of kind of people from Hong Kong. But then I grew up in very much in a white environment mm-hmm. at school and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't really know many people who were Chinese as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and not 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 really until university, mm-hmm. where strangely, I was, because I wasn't white, I was kind of lumped into the international students lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a slightly, um, yeah, stereotyped <laughs> way. Um and I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't speak Cantonese very well at all. Um, but I grew to learn and, and have a lot more friends from Hong Kong. Mm. But then that, that kind of when I came back to the Northeast, that, that's changed as well. Mm. But I've, I've always struggled with how Chinese are felt or how English or British are felt. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can relate with that, definitely. So thinking about, you know, your upbringing and as you were saying, you know, your parents had um, the Chinese takeaway and you didn't have holidays. So was going out as a family into the surrounding countryside ever happening then or not? Oh, oh, that's a that's a good question that no one's asked me. No. <laughs> I, it, you know, it's so obvious, but I don't think ever, anyone's ever asked me that. Really? I can't. Do you know, I remember going, we, we had a day trip to like Blackpool. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Scarborough. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> from 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 Newcastle, from the northeast. Yeah. 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 That is so that is so weird because we actually went to Blackpool <laughs> from Bradford. Uh, yeah 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 especially when it was around the illuminations times in october (laughs) and we also went to scarborough as well (laughs) are these are these because these are the seaside resorts do you think well yes i think a lot of a lot of families went um but we didn't do you know what i don't think we i don't think we went anywhere in the northeast like to northumberland or yeah. anywhere yeah i don't remember um oh it's they used to work seven days a week but then at a certain point they 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 were only working only working six days yes they, they had a tuesday off yes um because <laughs> i mean um, that is that is usual for chinese takeaways yeah <laughs> Is yeah, there is. is there something specific about a Tuesday? <laughs> no, it's just it's a quite a business day. Really, business. really. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's good to know. Because. But, carry on. Oh yes. Carry on. Carry on. I was going to say. It feels really sad, but um, so on their days off, they if we were off, if it was a school holiday as well, mm-hmm. would we go shopping? Mm-hmm. Um, and me and my brother we you know it was nothing pleasurable we were just following our parents mm. yeah. <laughs> behind them around the shops um yeah. and then, yes, I know. no contact really with nature or uh-huh. greenery so where i mean you've got a connection now tell us your connection yeah. now with with nature and greenery because I just I just love love hearing about it. So please talk to us it about feels, it. feels very recent actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because as a as a child I wasn't exposed to that and also even though we had a garden, like when we moved house we had a garden. Mm-hmm. They were never gardeners. They never really planted anything or grew anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only, I would say, God, maybe about six years ago mm-hmm. that I've tried to grow plants. I've got a little, I wouldn't even call it a balcony. It's a Juliet balcony, so you can't walk on it. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a little ledge and the doors mm-hmm. um, open in. I growing some plants and they didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is exciting. Maybe, maybe I could do this. Yeah, and I just started. That's where it started. So I've killed, God knows how many, mm. but um, but also through work when I started working at the what's called the National Lottery Heritage Fund, mm. we covered. We gave grants to lots of different projects of that, including lots of natural heritage projects. Mm. And so I got to learn a lot more about kind of nature and wildlife and landscapes and parks through that mm. and then and then um i applied to do a horticulture course mm. kind of through work um and so yeah i was able to kind of learn almost all the basics that kind of some amateur gardens know amateur gardeners you know have knowledge about anyway mm. i kind of garnered through that course and mm. and when i left the fund I took on an allotment I took on about three years ago mm-hmm. it was quite exciting and quite a bit daunting mm. I've never managed a green space before mm. but it's been oh it's been fantastic mm-hmm. um, especially this year I mean this moment in time when I don't have a garden mm-hmm. allotment, when it's a lovely sunny day it's a joy yeah, what you're growing? What you're growing? How big is it? Oh, it's <coughs> oh, not very good at measurements, but it's a half <laughs> plot. But it's actually a big half plot. Yeah. Um, I'm growing purple sprouting broccoli, mm. uh, normal broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, spring onions, potatoes, um, courgettes and squash, oh. French beans and peas, um. And flowers. I'm also starting more flowers this year as well. Oh, 
so it's become gorgeous. <laughs> it's become it's good because like it, it I think it takes quite a few years to get a plot mm. a bit more established so mm. I've got more a few more flowers and things that are a bit more established and I've been able to to get on top of the weeds finally this year <laughs> <laughs> which has never happened before mm. um, so yeah I'm really really proud of it and I love oh do you know what I love I love growing things from seed that's yeah. the most satisfying thing and I don't know if you do that much nah nah I'm, <laughs> I mean I'm I'm when you were saying about the number of plants that you've killed I was there with you right it's like you know so I've started like having on my kitchen windowsill some cacti um mm-hmm. because that you know but it takes a lot to ha- to kill them off. Really, it does. Um, and since I've had them maybe like a couple of years now, I've branched out into like a rubber plant and a Sharon. And, you know, it's like I'm, I'm giving myself a little bit more responsibility <laughs> to see how I go. Because I'd love, I'd love to grow stuff more from seed. I really would. But it's just, it's having that confidence, having that know-how, and having that faith in myself, like, you know, the confidence, yeah. it is the confidence and the knowledge. It and, is. And not having that relationship from time or being brought up with that relationship, that that knowledge, it's, it does it does seem like a daunting, daunting task. And the thing, the thing that gets me is like, where to start? Because I'm going to be, you know, the next question I was going to ask you is like, so what's, so what's coming out now? What are you sewing now? What are you eating now? Because this, <laughs> this is stuff I don't know. Because it's, it's, oh, it, I was going to say, I feel, feel very much like a beginner yeah. <laughs> compared to all the people at the allotment. Mm. And, um, and yeah, a lot of people have greenhouses, so they're able to grow lots all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm only growing on my windowsills, so it's kind of like really staggered. So I ah. can grow this much, and then I can move this along to the allotment and then start another batch. Um, but at the moment, I'm, I've got a few more sweet corn that's still on my windowsill to plant out. Uh-huh. I've got bergamot. I've oh, got right, some yeah. Feet. I've got stock, night scented, um, some salad, and kind of a, a plant called Ami Magus, which is good for cut flowers. Mm. So I'm experimenting with lots more seeds mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. But hey, do you know, it's like having, it's like they're your babies because yes! I just cut them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they grown. And do you talk to them? I don't talk to them, but. Yeah. What? Sorry, I missed that. What did, times a day. what did you say? You look at them. Oh yeah. yeah. I just look 20. at them and, and kind of brush them a bit. Yeah. Because it's good to to kind of um, brush them and make them stronger. Ah. Because they they get stronger. Like you know, if they're outside and in the wind, they kind of they have to become stronger. Yeah, get a bit so hardy. It, yes, yes, that's it. Is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's lovely just to see. Because not everything germinates, no. so you kind of fingers crossed all the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So this, this is this, you know, food for your soul. Is this that brings out that inner joy in you, growing plants yes. from seed? Yes, it really does. I wish I could do more and learn more. I've I've just ordered a propagating book, so hopefully oh. that'll come in the post. And yeah, it'd be really. It is. It's just very joyful yeah. to kind of plant seeds and, and watch them grow. Mm. Um, and and because, sorry, I was going to say what I. <laughs> I also have two cats, uh-huh. so um, I'd love to have more indoor plants, but they get destroyed. Uh-huh. So <laughs> yeah, it's getting that so balance, is- isn't it? it is yeah. yeah having your furry friends or having your greeny friends sort of thing <laughs> yeah i mean i i i i say about not growing anything when i was growing up but i've just reminded reminded myself that my dad used to grow tomato plants in the back of uh-huh. bedroom and they used uh-huh. to get to some height um and i don't know if this was a piece of trying to piece of his own 
heritage brought to Bradford and carry on. But I just wish that I had paid more attention then because they were grown mm. from seed and they, you know, there was loads of them. I don't know how, how, I don't know how you grow tomato plants, but the ones that I've seen from friends, they seem to just like go like, like beanstalks. They seem to just go yeah. on and, and like they just go on and on. If you know Teresa, you know <laughs> Teresa Easton, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah, so she used to have loads of them in her studio, um, just like <laughs> taking over the windows and they were like triffids. They just went, you know, just went for. So I just wish at that point I'd had that, you know, that wisdom as a child to think, oh, look, dad's planting, planting tomatoes. Let me try and learn how to. But, you know, there. You one can of those. do it. <laughs> no, you. because I think I felt the same. You're like, where do you start? And like, yes. am I going to kind of, is, am I just going to kill everything? But you can just collect the seeds from the tomatoes that you eat and dry them out and then... Really? Yeah. You just need to dry them out. Oh, I like Put them that. on a paper towel and uh-huh. dry them out. Paper towel. And then just, and just see, see if they work. Oh, I like that. I like that. I'll have to come <laughs> back to you and let you know how it's going. <laughs> but, but then... It's... So, carry on. No, no, it, I think it is it is that thing about confidence and I and mm-hmm. I'd it feels like a huge obstacle at first. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um I think once you get into it and have a bit more experience, you kind of realise actually you make so many mistakes and it's all just trial and error. Yeah, I like And it's all just that. part of it, yeah. Yeah, and it is this that's what you're saying, it's all part of it, and that's what gets me, it's the process. Okay, we might we will get some end product, you know, might mm, might be mm-hmm. some, might not be a lot, but okay, we get the end product, but it is going through the process of planting and as you're saying, seeing them grow and then brushing them and nurturing and, and you get so much from going through that growth period and um that I could see that yeah, that would that would really work with me and my, my the way I feel that I'm set up with my creativity and how it is about the process for me. You're so right, actually. I think that's just, you know, you pointing that out is just, I think that is, that is kind of resonates really strongly with me because I don't, I don't grow enough for it to sustain me. Yeah. I don't, you know, and a lot of things die. A lot of things get eaten by slugs and pigeons. Mm. But, it is about uh, it's, it's maybe it's a sense of achievement mm, that mm. you know you've grown something so tiny you know from seed mm. into this massive plant that's been able to fruit mm. um and i do i do a weird thing it almost being a child again because i hop Oh, and then, then I present them to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you harvest them and then you present them to your parents because you broke up there. like, see, see what I've done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you proud of me? Are you proud of yes. me? Yes. Yes. I get that. I so get that. No, that's that's lovely. It, it is. It's the case of you are proud of what you've done and you want to share that. And, you know, that's another way that we do show our love, isn't it? By sharing our food. But this has an even specialer sort of like um, tinge to it because I've grown this with my own hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's a complicated <laughs> relationship that I have with my parents. Um, okay. You know, with the immigrant story of, you know, uh, they all want their children to be doctors or lawyers or yes. engineers and that sort. And I haven't done that. So there's always been a chip on my shoulder. Mm. So the vegetables. <laughs> vegetables yeah is uh yeah maybe compensating for that yeah i hear you i do hear you (laughs) because i was brought up with the idea you get your education and you know once you've got that you can go on and get a profession and you're set up for life and Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. that and that was the dream of immigrants you know my dad came home from trinidad he was a stowaway um, and it was, it was to get that, have that better life, not just for him, but for his 
children, the next generation. Yeah. And it was instilled yeah. in us that you have to, you know, you have to work hard at school, maybe twice, three times, four times better than any of the white kids. So you can achieve this. But so, once you, you know, once you've got this profession, you know, you saw it. But but times have changed and there is there is so much more, I don't know, that does get in the way of wanting to fulfill those those dreams because we do have our own dreams that might that might (laughs) not involve having a profession or or yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i'm not and and not disrespecting you know that that generation because they were here because they came here and they worked their butts off for us to have what they didn't have and i i am so grateful for that and i appreciate that but there is also that idea of wanting to live my own life and having to live yeah. my own life, whatever that might look like. Yeah. It is. And it's such a cultural thing. I think mm. kind of for those who come from a different country and, and kind of a different time as well. And, mm-hmm. and actually I think kind of normal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, those who have come here and my parents who have come here probably think we've been too spoiled <laughs> yeah yeah you don't know you're born <laughs> that's yeah, what they say yeah. i mean because they did struggle they did mm, struggle hugely yeah yeah that's why you know I, I do respect and i am grateful to them but um yeah so just just to round up here sorry i'm I'm, I'm conscious of time but you Mm. were you we have mentioned that you do work within um the natural heritage sort of like sphere and we got back in touch with each other um quite Mm. recently around your consultation work about how to diversify the local um, regional countryside because um, there is a lack of black, Asian mm-hmm. and ethnic minorities who who partake within the natural world around us. Yeah. Um, so from your side of the, the table, <laughs> mm-hmm. what do you think needs to be brought about and in changes wise to make it more of a balanced relationship with the natural world for our people in that sense oh that's a big question and and kind of i suppose more pertinent kind of given given everything that's happening at the moment with the protests and black Mm -hmm. lives matter Mm -hmm. i think it's about voice and representation it just isn't there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not you know not there at all um you know from from kind of workers and staff who within the sector to kind of those in kind of senior positions and mm. um, and kind of governance and all that sort of thing. It's, it's not there, mm. but I would like to kind of think that things are changing. I, I think I, I didn't have much experience of kind of the natural world and natural heritage when I was young, mm. but even growing old and being kind of, as a young adult and and being in my twenties and going out with my friends, maybe on for walks and things, Mm. I would be so self-conscious. I was so that I was the only person of color Mm. in like a village or in a kind of woodland and and kind of everyone that I thought everyone would just be staring at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that has changed. Mm. That is changing. Mm -hmm. And especially kind of, I suppose people of colour who've been born and brought up here, kind of second, third generations. And you know what? I kind of, something that has, that has been different during this pandemic is people of colour just walking (laughs) (laughs) on the streets, (laughs) just going for a walk, you know, going Mm -hmm. out for, you know, whether it's kind of, um, because I'm a volunteer dog walker. Yes. And I... So I walk a dog really near me and we've got, um, you know, the old wagon ways. Yeah. 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 So there's a, there's a big trail all around kind of, um, near where I live. So I take the dog along there and, oh, I see so many more 
kind of Asian families mm-hmm. or Asian grandparents. You know, they look like older people and grandparents just because we can all go out for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's healthy during this kind of time. Mm-hmm. And that was that's never really been something I've seen lots of. Mm. Yes, that's interesting. Yes. It's almost that... Uh, that we've been given permission in a way, not that we've ever needed permission. <laughs> but I hear you. I mm. hear you. Yeah. And that's from an individual level or an individual family unit level. That mm-hmm. because it's a case of like we're we've been told you can go out once or yes. once once a day and get walking, that we've done it. Mm-hmm. And and because we've had that time and space to do it as a family. I mean, mm. we started running at the beginning of this wow. lockdown. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's just say it hasn't been kept up because <laughs> because it takes a lot of energy out of you when you have to pull a 10-year-old behind you <laughs> or push in front of you. But, um, but yeah, I can, I can see that. But the, the other thing is what you're saying about being on being at the table where these decisions mm-hmm. are made and having that voice and having that representation and and hopefully we're going to see a change a, around how these committees and are made up but what what i'm i'm thinking is that there's going to be have to be some kind of different criteria used in how and how they appoint or how they invite these 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 diverse people onto their committees because a lot of the time one of the stipulations for being on there is having a relationship say with this park and having Mm -hmm. experience of this park or having experience of being involved in conservation and protection etc and that just isn't there in the on the whole so that has to be that has to be um either wavered or taken into consideration but then also i think is that these the people that do get on these positions that who are from different ethnic backgrounds also have to be seen being on these committees as a human being not just because mm-hmm. you tick this box for diversity yeah do you, do you... Yes, I. Yeah, I, I can. I can see where you're coming from. I almost. I think how I feel about it. Is that because there's so much to do? There's so much to fight that. Almost like you have a. Responsibility, mm-hmm. on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. To kind of represent kind of people who look like you and to fight for it. I almost feel. And I know, and I know we're all human beings, and we have different, you know, mm-hmm. reasons and interests. I, it's, uh, yeah, I think kind of we need to do as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. No, I um, totally hear you, mm. and I agree. I totally agree because you know, if I am coming to this table, I am mm-hmm. gonna be, I am gonna be thinking, I need to represent. Yes. But in that same instance, I want you to recognize me as a human being as well Mm, and not mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. a a color at this table. Well, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Yes, I know. But I mean, but it it can only happen if if we have these opportunities to have this conversation and dialogue, etc. It is. And I... There's a, you know, at the moment, there's, I think there's a movement kind of that's really strong that I haven't really seen mm. for a long time. Mm. And that's really positive. Mm. I think the proof is in the pudding, as mm. we all say. And, yeah. you know, until actually individual institutions and organizations really take a long, hard look at themselves and what needs to change and mm-hmm. their biases and mm-hmm. kind of the structural inequalities that are in that's place. It. That's it. That's, they, they can, you know, they can tweet as much as they want in support of the movement, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the action. It's the action. Yeah. It's the action, totally. Yeah. 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 I hear you. I hear you. 
Well, I'm I'm just gonna say it's been lovely. It's been lovely chatting to you. And Oh, it's been lovely chatting to you. <laughs> <laughs> and really good. we might not have seen each other's faces towards the end there, but I <laughs> I I have heard your smiles and I so appreciate your support for this podcast. I really do. Um and and I think we're having important conversations and I just need to get my finger out now and get editing and get them out there. Because <laughs> the conversations are awesome. Um, and it's getting into the technical now that I need to do. Oh, yeah. Is that going to be a nightmare? I hope not. not. I hope not. Because I'm hoping. I mean, like, once we got into it, once we got past mm-hmm. the techno, techno oh. problems, it was smooth running. So I don't really have to edit that much. Not at all. It's just, you know getting that jingle at the beginning and the, oh. know, the, the funders names in there that sort of thing but i'm hoping to get them out in july um start getting them out so as soon as they are i will let you know and i'll let you know specifically oh, when yours is coming out because you've got you know i suppose with the the camera going out it has been an advantage because you've got such a beautiful voice and it has been it has been so lovely listening to you and you sharing so i want to thank you and just oh you're very welcome the earth sea love podcast has been made possible by the funding from national lottery heritage fund thank you